It is a beautiful, beautiful day where wherever you are in the world and listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And I want to say that I do appreciate it. I always appreciate it, you know, just listening because it's, it's so much competition out there. Believe it or not, there's a lot of competition in everything that you want to do, if you think about it. <laughs> a whole lot of competition. Uh, uh, the only way you can win, I believe, at something that there is, hello, who is it? The only way you can win, uh, okay, let them in, <laughs> whoever. All right, then let, let's, let's go answer the door. Somebody, somebody, somebody. Okay, the only way that you can win uh, uh, with, with the, when there's so much competition out there is to be the best at what you do. You win by being the best at what you can do. Okay? And I've said this a thousand times on this show. Doesn't matter if you mop floors for a living. Be the best at it. Doesn't matter if you're the greatest surgeon in the world. Be the best at it. And you are the best at it because you are the greatest. Uh, whatever you do, be, be I mean, if you're going to be a pizza maker, be a Good pizza maker. I mean, if you're going to make cars, build cars, make, build the best cars you can. You know, be the best at whatever you do. If you're a, you know, musician, be the best musician that you can be. Okay. Uh, no matter what you're a janitor, be the best that you can be. I mean, if you're a doctor, a lawyer, I mean, whatever, you know, dentist, be the best at whatever you want to be. If you want to be a singer, a musician, a a star, an actor, actress, be the best at whatever you want to be. You have to be the best at it because there's so much competition out here that's going to knock you out of the box. And how do you be the best at something? Okay, uh, <laughs> you be the best by practicing at it. I mean, I, The more practice and the more you rehearse at your dream, the better you're going to get. There is no doubt about it. I mean, you can't uh, be good at something if you have not practiced it, not rehearsed it, and do not know anything about it. Uh, always try to, um, what I want to say, uh, emulate other people who are doing some of the same things that you are dreaming about doing. If you want to blow a trumpet, you know, I mean, if, if you want to be the greatest trumpet player ever, go Check out people who have blown trumpets. If you want to be the greatest doctor, check out uh, doctors who were the greatest in their field. You know, if you want to be the greatest uh, guitar player in the world, go check out other guitar players. Uh, especially check out the ones that are, you know, uh, famous, you know. But you know what? There's a lot of guitar players in this world, and some of them are so damn good it's a shame. But you don't hear nothing about them because they're not, they're not as famous as Eric Clapton or Stevie Ray Vaughan or, or, or um, Mark Doppler, uh, some, some of the other ones, Jeff Beck, George Benson. You know, these musicians are great, but there's people out here probably could play them under the table, you know. So be the best at whatever you do, you know, be the best at it, and you will win. You will win like that. If you're... If you are a public speaker, be the best at public public speaking. Project your voice. You can't go on stage as a public speaker talking like you live in the back alley of the ghetto. You can't do that. Uh, you have to be the best at what you do, no matter what you do. 
be the best at it. And uh, that's <laughs> the latest from the George Wilder Jr. Show. Okay, we're going to continue with some of these questions that some of these folks have sent in. Some I made up. Uh, <laughs> some of these questions uh, that some of these folks uh, sent in. And if you have a question for the George Wilder Jr. Show, uh, just um, inbox me or you know send me an email or a message on this show here. Uh, leave it in the comment section, and you know I'll see it. I'll get it, and uh, I, I will. And if I have enough time, I will uh, uh, answer your question on the show here. Thanks. Thank you very much for that. Okay. Good at. I think I just got through explaining. If you're good at something, be the best at it. And a lot of people really do not know what they're good at. Again, the question is, what are you good at? And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you out there, the audience, what are you good at? What is, what is it that you can do good? Think about it. You know, I can, some, I can see some people or imagine some people, oh, what the hell am I good at? <laughs> um, everybody has to be good at something because I, I always believe and I still do believe that we all are born with some sort of talent, you know, but a lot of people, if you don't, a lot of people do not utilize their talent. They don't use, they don't use it. If you don't utilize your talent, it's not going to do you any good. I think we all are born with some sort of innate talent. And if you got a talent for one thing, believe me, you have a talent for four or five other things. You know, talent is not specified to just one uh, genre. I mean, you, you, because you name it. I mean, if you are a, um, for example, if you are a painter or something, if you have a talent at painting, you may be having, uh, you may have a talent at being a dancer. You may have a talent being uh, uh, great on a computer or whatever. You might have a talent being a great typer. Um, just because you can do something that, just because you can do one thing with your talent, you can do probably five to six or seven, eight things uh, uh, also because uh, a talent, if a person has talent, doesn't mean a person has one talent in a certain area. That person may have talents in, in, in a lot of areas, you know. So if you don't know what you're good at, try to sit around, figure it, figure out what you're good at. What have you been doing for 30, 40 years <laughs> or 20, whatever, or 10? Uh, figure out what you're good at, and if you and if you feel you're good at anything, look at, look around and see if you can find something that you think you could be good at. Because I do think that uh, everybody uh, walking around the Earth, some say planet, walking around the Earth has some kind of talent, even if it's deep down inside of them. They, you have to kind of pull it up out of you, you know. Everybody has a talent. I mean, you weren't just born here to be a stick in the mud. You, <laughs> you, you have a talent, but a lot of people don't utilize that talent or they utilize it in a negative way. Find a positive way to use your talents and your strengths. I mean, being young, being vibrant, being strong. I mean, even old. I mean, e- even if you're old, you can still find uh, something that you're good at. And that you love doing, you know, and be the best at it. 
it goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the show. Whatever you do, be the best at it. Find out what you can do good. It doesn't matter what it is. If you like it and, and if other people uh, praise you for it, keep it up. And uh, who knows? This could become your career. Find something you're good at. Maybe if you're good enough at it and other people like it, you can find a way to make money at it. Right. Because a lot of people who are into hobbies, uh, they use their hobbies to make money. You know, I mean, if you're knitting sweaters or something, and you know, if, if it's a hobby, knitting sweaters or something, and uh, try to find a way to make money at it. Try to find a way to get your product out there to millions of people. You know, so it, it, it's all about being good at what you do. That's all it is. And uh, uh, that answers that question. <laughs> okay. My guest today is author Hal W. Warts, Woods, something to that effect that probably um, it's Howell, H O W E L L W, Waltz, something to that effect. We'll find out later anyway. Okay, let's see. The next question is Do you discuss religion with friends? I don't even, you know, no, I don't. I the only time I actually talk about religion is when a guest come on the show and they start talking about uh, religion, you know, spiritual stuff, you know, um, the paranormal, you know, exorcism and stuff like that, and uh, Jesus and God and and uh, the Ten Commandments, you know, uh, praying and stuff. I, I really don't. I'm really not that into it. So uh, the only time I talk about it is. As I said, it's when a guest come on the show. But before then, I would, you know, I would listen to what people had to say about the Bible and whatever else there was they were trying to get me to be a part of. I would listen, but I knew deep down in my, I knew deep down inside that I wasn't going to be a part of no shit like that. I knew that deep down inside. But, you know, you never hurt nobody's feelings. You you, you let them uh, try to. Because as I've said many times, I think religion, some religions are just a cult. They just, and so many people just let themselves be caught up in this kind of bull BS. And, uh, you know, and then they try to go out and try to incorporate <laughs> other people into being controlled because they're controlled. They want you to be controlled. I don't think anybody should be controlled. I think you should always have control of your own life. Do not let anybody try to control you. Uh, people are out here to do that. People are out here to to own you. You don't want anybody owning you. You should own yourself. And there are so many people out here who are constantly letting people own them. Uh, tell them where to sit. Tell them where to go. Tell them where to stand. Tell them who to talk to, who not to talk to, where they can visit, where they can't visit. Tell them what they can read and what they should not read. This is a form of control in my estimation. You were born free. You weren't, you weren't born to give your life, your whole, especially after you become an adult. 
<laughs> adults should know better not to let themselves be manipulated and controlled. You got a lot of these church congregations and all of these, you know, cults and, and, and things around the world that are sucking people in and with bullshit religious stories that nothing that can be accountable. And, and I've had some people ask me, am I atheist? I, I, th- I think I wrote a story uh, 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 a story somewhere saying something of something or other about being an atheist. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm an atheist or not, but I do know that there is something out there. It has to be something. I, whether you call it Jesus or God or the devil or whatever, something is out there. Something is keeping um, us here. I don't know if it's God. I don't know if it's not a God. I don't know what it is. I know that we just can't be, you know, just here. I mean, there are so many other planets. I think there's nine planets in the solar system, and we're the one, and we are the one living uh, planet with life. You you have to look at it in, in that sense. But if you come to me with, well, it's Jesus' way. It's Jesus. Uh, it's God. You know, I don't know if I believe that. Because you know why? Jesus was supposed to be, and I don't want to get into a lot of religion. I'm just answering the question. Jesus, I mean, you were brought up to believe Jesus fed the hungry. Jesus walked through mud and dirt and fire. He walked on water and all of this kind of thing. And he was just the sweetest guy who cared for everybody, who loved everybody. But if you sinned, you, he, he would send you straight to hell. I mean, you couldn't make it to heaven. You could not make it to heaven through the eye of a needle. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I try to believe, we all try to believe, if you are an atheist. We tried to, growing up, we were instilled with, indoctrinated with Jesus as Lord and the John 3.16 and all that kind of thing. I think I wrote a fictional book somewhere or a novel on this. It's fictional. We were all grown, uh, um, growing up as, you know, indoctrinated with this or that in terms of religion. But, you know, I, you know, a lot of us, we tried to believe, we wanted to believe. But when you think about the wars around the world, you think about the people who are homeless and starving to death, people who are dying on the street, people who are getting shot, good people who are suffering through no fault of their own. You tell yourself, where is God? Where is Jesus? People are hungry. People are sleeping on the streets. I mean, what is it? Kids being bombed and killed in their nurseries overseas. I mean, what is all of this? You say, where is God? Why, why would God let something like this happen if there is a God? People still believe. I mean, some people are just diehard. And I, I think the, the church has been rocked by so much sexual scandal. I do think, and I probably am right on this when I say that the church congregation, I mean, uh, people going to church has, has, a lot of people have slacked off from going to church. You know, especially uh, with this um, church crisis here in the Vatican. Um, I'm not in the Vatican. I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm <laughs> but uh, uh, 
people aren't going to church as much as they used to. I mean, because a lot of people are now are now looking at some of these ministers and some of these pastors, some of these people with with a two cent Bible as frauds. As frauds. You know, I mean, you can't look at Joel Osteen and not say that he isn't a fraud. You can't look at a lot of the other pastors out here who are richer than hell because they're, you know, brainwashing people and say that they believe in God. A lot of these pastors and preachers do not believe in God, but they know that you need something to believe in. So they pretend that they believe in God so they can get your money. That's all it's about. So they can buy a, so they can buy a new car, a private jet, build an extra room back there with the rectory. Your money. They're making you feel guilty. <laughs> making you feel guilty if you don't put some money in in the collection plate every Sunday or write them a big fat check. I just think that, and another thing about a lot of these religious institutions, they're tax exempt. They don't pay taxes. And some of these places are the biggest frauds ever. Controlling people, manipulating people, um, belittling people, make people, people think that they're not good enough or they shouldn't be good enough unless they do this or that. This is just ridiculous. How can people really, really let... um, religion like this uh, just control their lives. But you got people out there who, who, hey, wow, hey, this is my life. This is what I do. You know, and there's a lot of uh, cults out there. I think I think Scientology is, is a cult also. But people are, people are members of, of this cult. And uh, Scientology, I, uh, people have left that uh, religion also. They've left it. A lot of people are leaving these religions, saying to hell with you. <laughs> and a lot of people are staying staying put because I think they're staying put because they're weak-minded. Weak-minded people can be controlled at any cost. They can be controlled. And some of these kinds of people want to be controlled. They want to be controlled. Hey, it's my money. I can give it to any church I want to. And I think, uh, once again, I, I'm going to say, I think churches, some churches are just getting away with murder, not not being able to pay taxes, the way they rip off the public, uh, with some of these ministers and pastors. I mean, they just want your cash money. This is what they're living off of. A lot of these are just jack-leg preachers in your community, around your neighborhood, telling you, uh, 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 God is going to save you with a two cent Bible are just frauds. And it's, it's more than ever now. I mean, you got this scandal in the Catholic Church. It's, the scandal is not only in the Catholic Church, it's probably in every religious institution on earth. Not Baptist. Uh, Pentecostal. I mean, you go down the line. All of these different kinds of religions with different names, different uh, uh, analogies for the the uh, church that you want to go to. They all frauds in my case. 
they're all trying to get in your pocket to manipulate you, control you, brainwash you uh, into into uh, giving your whole self to them and doing what they want you to do while going in your pockets. You know, sometimes I sit around and I watch television. I see all these African-American preachers on the South Side getting together uh, whenever there's a shooting to stop the violence in some of these neighborhoods. And I see all these these preachers and, and I'm just knowing that <laughs> some of these guys are just frauds. Uh, they see a television camera. <laughs> that's where they're going. That's where they're going to go. You know, a lot of them are just uh, uh, frauds. But they know... They know a lot of people out here are weak-minded. They are spineless. They have no guts. So they fall in line with some of these jack-leg preachers and ministers and pastors, deacons, whatever you want to call them. How do you think these people live? They don't have a job like we do. They live off what you give them. That's their job is to keep giving, keep making you feel guilty, keep making you feel that you haven't done enough to be on the side of God to keep you giving money and so they can put it in their pockets. Yeah, so that, what was the question again? I almost forgot it. I was uh, going off on a tantrum about religion. and But, you know, it's true. It's very true. And a lot of people are leaving the church because of it. And it, that's, that's totally, totally true. People are leaving the church. They're not listening. I'm, they're not leaving the church because of what I'm saying. They're leaving the church because they're so disappointed in the church. Some are coming to their senses that a lot of these preachers and are just jack-leg preachers. They're about your money. They're not about you. They're about making you think that they are there for you, but they are there for However, they're going to try and make you feel guilty <laughs> so you can keep throwing your check into the um, collection plate every Sunday. All right, that's one of the questions. Let's see, can we find another question here that um, uh, someone sent in? It says, what are you grateful for? What am I grateful for? I don't know. I, <laughs> I guess I'm grateful for getting up each morning. Okay, we got a lot of questions here, folks. Uh, um, let's see. I can probably get some tomorrow. Not tomorrow. We'll be off tomorrow. Maybe Monday. Let's see. It says, what are you grateful for? As I said, I'm probably grateful to be getting up every morning, grateful to be able to write a book or, or do, the, do my radio show or uh, be a musician. Uh, I'm grateful for a lot of things. And, a, and a, lot, a lot of those things that I'm grateful for, Nobody helped me do it. I did it myself. I did it my way. Everything that I've done, everything that I have uh, achieved in my life, I did it the way I wanted to do it. Not the way others say I should do it or someone demand that I should do it. I did the things for myself and for my life the way I wanted to do it. No one told me to do it this way or that way. I did it the way I want it wanted to. And if I made a mistake, I learned from it. I learned from that mistake, you know, and uh, that's what mistakes are for. I mean, a lot of people are going to be, you're going to be making mistakes. Don't take a mistake. 
don't take a mistake um, that you make as being a loser. No, 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 no. You're not a loser. You're just learning. Mistakes are things that you learn from. You pick yourself up, you wipe yourself off, and you get out there and you start again. And you know not to make that same mistake again because you've made it before. So that tells you not to do it again. So, um, yeah, I'm grateful for a lot of things. I'm grateful for my son. Um, He's in college. I'm grateful for that. I never thought that would happen, (laughs) even though I worked so hard for it to happen. But uh, we stood in there and we persisted, and he's in college now, and that's great. I'm grateful for that. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Thanks for sending in your questions. Uh, we have plenty more here. We will be right back. We're going to take, if, we, if I can, if I can find this. Um, All right, ding ding. <laughs> okay, we're back, folks. All right. <laughs> All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. show. Go right ahead. Good evening, George Wilder Jr. This is Hal Waltz calling from Warsaw, Poland. All right, author Howard W. Warsaw calling from Poland. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for call, calling in, doing the show. And all of that kind of good stuff. Tell my, tell my audience, uh, what are you about and why should we listen? Well, um, uh, issue for many years in my writing, speaking, TED Talks, okay. things like that, has okay. been justice uh-huh. reform. 
being a, a victim of that system. And yeah. then I've recently tried to start looking for the root causes of how America went from the land of the free to the land of the incarcerated. And and I feel yeah. like if we climb down a few levels, it's it's actually this this whole move toward progressivism away from Americanism and and I think uh, that can be identified as the root cause but we've just got too many laws and too little justice as Cicero wrote 2000 years ago that uh, that's still the same formula that does not work yeah so uh you say you've written a book seven of them seven good let's tell I'm us about trying, the latest to keep up with the wilders my man huh <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with the Wilders. I got to keep writing. You're 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 you're, you're, you're a prolific guy. <laughs> I just love it. I just love doing it, man. I just I just love just telling stories and and uh, uh, I, I just as you probably can see, I just love what I, what I do and I try to I try to be diverse with my writing. I don't try to write in one genre. I try, I try to change it. I'm working on some stuff now uh, for 2019. So you know. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. Well, actually, I, I love the subject, though. I'm the same way. I've written everything from a, a book on uh, the path about the new spiritual age uh, all the way to, you know, about seven years of being ridden around by the U.S. government uh, from prison to prison and never being convicted. Yeah. So I, I got a pretty fair range myself. But uh, yeah. your last one, uh, I, I will be getting kisses in the moonlight because that is the greatest <laughs> blessing is being in love, and I found love over here in Warsaw, and uh, it's the happiest days of my life, and I'm not a young man. Neither am I. I, I, um, I don't know. I, I, when I wrote that, it, it's, it's a novella. When I wrote it, I thought about my younger days, okay? I thought about my younger days. I thought about uh, falling in love because I, I'm sort of a romantic guy. I have to, I have to be real, and, and then, and, and in this day and age, you don't see too many men writing romance books or novels or anything. It's all women. And I guess I, I just try to break that mold a little bit. Well, that's wonderful. That, that We need more of that. <laughs> all right. Uh, tell us uh, about your book. Tell us about your work, uh, you know, and things of that sort. Well, I started with uh, a book called Justice Denied, the United States versus the people. Um, I've been yeah. speaking out publicly against the too many laws and government seizing too much power. See, my first speech yeah. was September 15th of 1977. So they've been listening to me uh, go on and on. And I, I seem to be able to have the ability to piss off Republicans and Democrats in an equal fashion through most of my career. But, uh, uh, but right now, I think we we have this bomb-throwing disruptor uh, in the White House, and oh, I, frankly, yeah. that's, I fr frankly think, though, that's what we need. I grew up a Democrat, was a Democrat most of my life, but I've got to, I, I got to, I don't really care which direction this disruption comes from. We've got 314,000 ways they've created in Washington to send us to prison, and we need somebody to shake that up, and what I'm writing about now, George, is that 300,000 of these laws created in during my lifetime were not passed by Congress as required by the Constitution. They're passed by this administrative state that creates them and forces them, sends people to prison for them, and that is absolutely just so wrong. It's got to stop. 
and I don't see any of the Bush Clinton ilk. I can't tell them apart, frankly. Um, but we we need somebody to come in and say, wait a minute, you're doing what? You're putting putting my tax base in, into prison where they cost us money instead of you know paying taxes. It's it's just absolutely economically and morally ridiculous and. Uh, I floated an idea in an article of, a couple of years ago that got a lot of attention by trying to tie these stupid, crazy laws to the people that they are trying to disenfranchise. And I really believe this. So this is, may sound a little crazy, but give me a second. But why would you take, for example, cocaine and the white kid at the country club is snuffing the pure stuff up his nose on Friday night? And he gets a year, but you take that same cocaine and you mix it with baking powder and cook it and make it into an affordable little rock, which is generally used in another community, socioeconomic group, and you get a 100 times the sentence. Now, they're obviously targeting black Americans. Uh, that has since been reduced, but it's still a crazy 21. Uh, there are laws that are targeting specific groups. And and that's who goes to prison. And when you go to prison, you lose your rights. You can no longer vote. You can't defend yourself or your family. You're forced to pay for government programs, many of which you can't access. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like that's where we could start to unwind a lot of this. And actually, Texas has, has done a pretty good job, as surprising as that may sound. They, they, they've dropped so many stupid laws that they've closed eight prisons. And their crime rate has dropped 31% in the last 10 years. So we have some working models of things that are finally going right. So you're okay with Trump wanting to uh, upend some of these crazy laws? You're, you're okay with that? Absolutely. Oh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm absolutely against what they're talking about now, of creating some harsher sentences. We got plenty of, of, of harsh enough. But his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, I was so impressed uh, – I knew his father, Charles, when he used to have an office in New York, he was my landlord, and we got to know each other, and he had a mm. similar experience to mine where they basically just grabbed him and said, we'll put your old family in jail if you don't you know, say you did something so we can lock you up. And Jared saw the, the horrors of the system, and he's done a very mm. bright thing. Rather than getting a bunch of prosecutors in there or Jeff Sessions, for God's sakes, you know, he got you know Pastor Darrell Scott and yeah. John Hopwood, former felon who – is now a Georgetown law professor. He got a couple of good state governors who were dealing with the issues, and and one of the people from Texas who helped implement this successful program. And you know, these are the people on his committee are people that see it every day in their communities and have done something about it. So I mean, I'm think, hopeful. That, yeah. Do you think now that uh, Kavanaugh is on the Supreme Court, you think he'll have a lot of input into uh, upending some of these crazy laws? Uh I don't know. I, he was not mm-hmm. my choice uh, for probably for different yeah. reasons and everybody else is screaming about, but I didn't like the fact that he helped, he helped justify, uh, you know, the, the war in Iraq for the Bushes, yeah. uh, you know, and he was behind the decision to call uh, Obamacare a tax. I, you know, I don't like him for anything he's done particularly, but uh, but, you know, he is supposed to be uh, something of uh, of a constitutionalist, though I haven't seen it yet. But, you know, well, I, I, I actually think he failed a job interview myself. <laughs> I mean, I think he failed it flat. 
<laughs> well, George, I'm gonna make an admission here on uh, your radio station that if uh, if trying to take a, a bikini top off in your teenage years is uh, is something that should prevent you from uh, succeeding in life, then 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 you know maybe yeah. we, a lot of us have a problem. <laughs> so you know, and now it's rape, of course. You know, I I don't know. Uh, used yeah, to be called a date. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm it's just, a crazy I'm, time in America. It is. It is. It a is. Crazy. And I don't like the, the new violence. is is very disturbing. Yeah. We don't need that. Yeah. Now, and politicians recommending it on either side. I, I, anyways, just it's, yeah, it's a nice these, time. These, <laughs> yeah, these it's it's a crazy time in America. It is a crazy time. And uh, uh, all right, uh, uh, how? Tell us uh, where we can go find your book and how we can get in touch with you and all this kind of stuff. Well, it's uh, it's on Amazon, uh, Restore, okay. Restoring America by Returning to Its okay. Constitution. And and the basic tenet of it is that, that this progressivism, as it's called for some unfathomable reason to me, uh, is claiming to be able to move us beyond what was actually a, a, a very nearly perfect system. It was not adhered mm-hmm. to equally, as we know, so there's some real flaws in application. But if you go back to our founding documents, I'll challenge anybody to come up with a better system. And my points in the yeah. book are, if all men are created equal, and we're finally trying to live by that, then then that's final. How can you progress beyond all of us having equal opportunity and a chance, how do judges and prosecutors now have immunity when they commit crimes against the people that come yeah. before them? How do politicians yeah. break law? How does Congress pass an act uh, like this Affordable Care Act, for example, and then give themselves an out so they have us pay for theirs but stick us with the bill for our own? I don't, you know, I don't get stuff like that. That's not a equality, yeah. and that's not American. All right. And, right. And it's not America. Two, no. And if we're and if we're endowed with certain inalienable rights, as Jefferson Madison wrote, then then that's it. You know, if we've got those rights in there of natural law, divine rights that every man and woman should have just by being born, then how is taking away three hundred and fourteen thousand freedoms and human behaviors in a no. federal government? that the Constitution says you can only punish piracy and counterfeiting and treason, how the hell did we get there? So, you know, again, it all goes back to we've left our Constitution. There's not anything wrong with what was written. It's that we no longer follow it. And the last exactly. one of those basic... Yeah, the, we no the, longer the last, follow it. We no right, longer and the, follow it. And the last of those three simple points that are the basis and foundation of the Constitution are if the government arrives its just powers from us, from we the people and the states that created it, then they are so far out of bounds when 1.97 million of them are now making up laws and enforcing them without our elected representatives even having a vote that, that we got to get rid of this core philosophy of progressivism that – basically started here in America from uh, Woodrow Wilson on. It was an imported socialist philosophy that the wealthy uh, elites of a, of a crumbling England came up with. And uh, it's an interesting story in itself, which I tell in the book of Restoring America. Yeah. It goes all mm-hmm. back to 1870s England to Professor John Ruskin at Oxford that came up with the philosophy that I contend is destroying our nation. You know, one of the things is uh, – 
to uh, piggyback on what you were talking about, talking about, to add to what you were talking about, a lot of these people who are responsible for some of the things you just got through espousing, they don't give a damn. They don't care. Get that check coming in every month and get the. They don't care. They don't. They don't. You're right. They don't care about what the people want. Uh, who put their asses in office. They don't care. You know, they don't give a damn about the Constitution. They don't give a damn about anything. They just want America. They want America. They want America like uh, I want a slice of empire or something. They want America. They want to own America. They want to take America away from the American people. (laughs) <laughs> don't want anybody else to get a slice, and and, and that is part of what exactly. I write about in the book. Also, is is by, uh, for example, in 1886 uh, when they they granted the Supreme Court, not anybody else, granted citizenship rights to Constitution in an absolute fraud uh, case, which I told about in the book. They they actually had the uh, the head of the Newburgh Railway in New York, one of the beneficiaries of the case. In Santa Clara County versus California, I mean versus mm-hmm. Southern Pacific Railroad, they put him in as the clerk, and he hand wrote in notes that citizenship of a corporation should apply, and they made that part of the case. It was never even part of that whole case. Never mentioned during it. He just asked the Chief Justice, "Wait, well, what do you think about corporate citizenship for <laughs> constitution?" Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And and then the 26 J.P. Morgan newspapers put it out. Yes. Uh, the Supreme Court rules that a citizen of a corporation and this is just nonsense and now these oligarchy groups these hugely powerful media companies, banks that are too big to fail, the hell they are under the Constitution, nothing's too big to fail and now we've got five conglomerates controlling over 90% of the U.S. information I'm talking about publishing, print, media of all types, And this concentration of power in the hands of this small group of elites, all progressives, but that's why people need to learn what this sickness is. It's it's an elitist uh, tool to control the rest of us, and I'm not for it. I, I think I think you hit on one thing. I think people need to be informed. They don't know. You got a lot of people walking around here. They don't even know what's happening. They're not following what's going on. It's just awful how people are just out of touch, and they feel good being out of touch with what's going on in America. And I tell people all the time, this is your country. Fight for it. Stand up for it. You know, if something's yeah. not right, you know, uh, make it right, you know? Better, it's, better wake up. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right, and people need to pay attention. But again, our premise is that, that our documents, our founding documents, yeah. were excellent. We just we left them and one of the other things I'm pushing for right now is a convention of states to try to get it back to the way that the constitution was written with regard to to the I think states. we all are. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all pushing for something. 
got a good one going, uh, and they've already got uh, 12 states signed on. It's passed both uh, houses of their legislatures. Got 22 more states where it's in play. But this one says we only limit ideas and suggestions and proposals for amendments to things that reduce federal power over our lives. But in, in 1913, the first progressive president, Woodrow Wilson, pushed through the, the income tax provision because that was forbidden in Article 1, Section 8. You weren't supposed to have a capitation tax. We had import mm-hmm. uh, duties to pay for America, and then the states were stuck with the rest of the bill. But the mm-hmm. parties to our contract, and that's all our Constitution is, it's a contract between the states, we the people, and the government that between us and the states we created. And so the states were the electors of the senators. The states mm-hmm. chose the two senators to protect their interests, and then we the people choose our representatives. Then when they kicked that out in 1913, that's when the whole thing started going to hell and federal government exploded now controlling every aspect of aspect of our life. So I'm suggesting we go back to that because if if you are senator uh, of the state of Illinois and all of a sudden your state's going to get stuck with the tab for what all the excess spending, then you're going to your job is to keep that federal government under control yeah. and not let it yeah. serve all these rights. So I think we need to get back to some basics there and things can fix themselves. All right, author Hal W. Watts, Watts on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I hope I p- pronounced your name pretty well. <laughs> I want to thank you for uh, being on the show. And I will send well, you a link to the show. If I, No problem. I will send you, send you a link to the show. Maybe you can put it on your website and people can come by your website and listen to you on this show, on your website. How is that? Very good. That's wonderful, George, and thank you again. Bye-bye. Hal W. Warts, Warts on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I, I, somehow I'm, I'm messing up his name, I know. All right, <laughs> we'll be right back. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You Like my 
have some breaking news oh, in the Lord. case involving <laughs> Michael Cohen in New York. It's like a Saturday Night Live skit where the president's former fixer is entering a guilty plea. I, I'm joined now by CNN's uh, Kara Scannell, who, who was inside the courtroom. Uh, Kara, tell us about the plea. Well, Jake, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty intense scene inside there. Michael Cohen is addressing the court right now. He just walked through how he committed eight counts, including tax evasion on his personal income taxes, giving a false statement to a bank, and then critically, he just described how he violated campaign finance laws two ways, both involving, one of those involving the Karen McDougal payment and the other one, the Stormy Daniels payment. Now, he did not identify either woman by name, but it was clear from the evidence the $103,000 payment and the $130,000 payment. Now, specifically, when asked by the judge to describe the crime, Michael Cohen said, in coordination and at the direction of the candidate for federal office, he had made these payments. So he is implicating Donald Trump in this, although not specifically by name. So we just heard that. I ran out of the courtroom. Michael Cohen is still um, answering questions by the judge. He was running through the process here, informing him of his rights. And we also learned that um, as part of this agreement, he's agreed to a prison term, although the judge is not bound by this, but of between just under four years and um, five years in prison, but the judge will sentence him later at a future date, so this could change, but that is the agreement between the prosecutor's office and Michael Cohen and his attorneys, Jake. All right, well, that's stunning news. Kara, let, let me ask you, I mean, just first of all, to underline, you said that when Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to campaign finance laws violations, he was referring to Stormy Daniels, and he said he did it, quote, in coordination with and at the direction of a candidate for federal office, which specifically could only be President Trump. That is stunning news. You said something else about a different campaign finance charge before that. Uh, what, can you repeat that? Well, one of those also had to do with the payment that was made to Karen McDougal. Recent reports have shown us that the deficit is growing at an alarming rate. And in fact, the tax cuts that Republicans put in place at the end of last year uh, have ballooned the deficit by more than 20%. Just that one piece of legislation, 20% increase in the deficit. Now, Republicans during the Obama years were absolutely up in arms over the fact that the deficit was getting out of control. But during the Bush years, when Dick Cheney said deficits don't matter, they believed it. They were like, yeah, let's just spend all the money and not worry about it. Obama came along, increased spending to help save the economy, which he did, uh, and they were furious. But now they're back in charge. So once again, deficits don't matter. And to an extent, they really don't until that ballooning deficit is used to kill programs that actually help keep American citizens alive, which unfortunately is the scenario playing out right now. Realizing that the deficit is growing at a rate that they cannot hope to sustain or even pay down, Republicans have increased their calls to cut social safety net programs that millions of American citizens have been paying into for their entire working lives, and they are therefore entitled to them. That is why they're called entitlement programs. We've already paid in all the money for them. We just want to get our money back. But Republicans don't want to do that. They want to take the money that we've paid in and give it to the wealthy elite, the top 1%, in the form of tax cuts. 
Right now, we have uh, Representative Steve Stivers. He's the most recent one. He is a Republican from Ohio. He went on CNBC this week to say that, you know, because of this deficit situation that is caused by our tax cuts, we need to look at entitlement reform. We need to cut Social Security and Medicare. Uh, Paul Ryan made it very clear. He stated specifically at the end of 2017 that the next thing on his agenda now that he's passed the tax cuts is cutting back Social Security and Medicare. Senator Pat Toomey, Republican from Pennsylvania, said the same thing. Uh, Senator John Thune, a Republican from South Dakota, also says that we've got to cut these entitlement programs because, you know, we just basically blew up the deficit. Representative uh, Republican Tom Cole from Oklahoma says that uh, he doesn't know much about economics, but we probably need to get rid of some of these entitlement programs or cut them down. So we have this idiot here, Tom Cole, who says, I don't even understand the economy, but let's cut these things. This, this is what we're dealing with, with this particular political party right now, folks. They gave everything that we had to the top 1%. Studies, even studies by Republican think tanks, have shown us that average American workers will get $0 from this tax cut. And if we do get anything, it's going to take several years for us to even get that money. And then by the time that happens, the tax cuts for the underclass will have expired. So then we actually won't even be eligible for it anymore. But the tax cuts for the top 1% are actually never set to expire. Just the ones for us, you know, the poor folk, the people who live paycheck to paycheck. And now they want to take the money that we have been paying in for our entire working lives to pay down the deficit that they created by giving tax cuts to the wealthy elite. The Republican Party is pure evil, 100%, and there is no other way to slice it. If you want to take money that poor people have paid into a program so that they can maybe one day retire or at least not be homeless when they hit age 65, and you want to take that money that they've been paying into most of them for 50 years and give it to billionaires, then yeah, the only word available to describe you is evil. And that is exactly what we're dealing with with the Republican Party of 2018. But in the bullshit department, in the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman. Because I got to tell you the truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe. In awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of ten things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these ten things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. 
loves you. He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all powerful, all perfect, all knowing and all wise. Somehow, just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. Something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. <laughs> Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. It's <laughs> just between you and me. In between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. And by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever fuck things up like this. So, 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 if, if, if there is a God, if there is, I think most reasonable people might agree that he's at least incompetent and maybe, just maybe, doesn't give a shit. Doesn't give a shit, which I admire in a person and which would explain a lot of these bad results. So rather than be just another mindless religious robot, mindlessly and, and aimlessly and blindly believing that all of this is in the hands of some spooky incompetent father figure who doesn't give a shit, I decided to look around for something else to worship, something I could really count on. And immediately, I thought of the sun. Happened like that. Overnight, I became a sun worshiper. Well, not overnight, you can't see the sun at night. <laughs> but first thing the next morning, I became a sun worshiper. Several reasons. First of all, I can see the sun, okay? <laughs> yeah. Unlike some other gods I could mention, I can actually see the sun. I'm big on that. If I can see something, I don't know, kind of helps the credibility along, you know? <laughs> so every day I can see the sun as it gives me everything I need. Heat, light, food, flowers in the park, reflections on the lake, and occasional skin cancer, but hey, <laughs> at least there are no crucifixions, and we're not setting people on fire simply because they don't agree with us. Sun worship is fairly simple. There's no mystery, no miracles, no pageantry, no one asks for money, there are no songs to learn, and we don't have a special building where we all gather once a week to compare clothing. And the best thing, the best thing about the sun, it never tells me I'm unworthy. It doesn't tell me I'm a bad person who needs to be saved, hadn't said an unkind word, treats me fine. 
So I worship the sun, but I don't pray to the sun. Know why? I wouldn't presume on our friendship. It's not polite. I've often thought people treat God rather rudely, don't you? Asking you know, trillions and trillions of prayers every day, asking and pleading and begging for favors, do this, give me that, I need a new car, I want a better job. And most of this praying takes place on Sunday, his day off. <laughs> Not nice. And it's no way to treat a friend. But people do pray, and they pray for a lot of different things. You know, your sister needs an operation on her crotch. Your, your brother was arrested for defecating in a mall. But most of all, you'd really like to fuck that hot little redhead down at the convenience store. You know, the one with the eye patch and the club foot. Huh? Can you pray for that? I think you'd have to. And I say, fine, pray for anything you want. Pray for anything. But what about the divine plan? Remember that? The divine plan. Long time ago, God made a divine plan. Gave it a lot of thought, decided it was a good plan, put it into practice. And for billions and billions of years, the divine plan has been doing just fine. Now you come along and pray for something. Well, suppose the thing you want isn't in God's divine plan. What do you want him to do? Change his plan? Just for you? Doesn't it seem a little arrogant? It's a divine plan. What's the use of being God if every rundown schmuck with a $2 prayer book can come along and fuck up your plan? <laughs> and here's something else, another problem you might have. Suppose your prayers aren't answered. What do you say? Oh, well, it's God's will. Thy will be done. Fine, but if it's God's will and he's going to do what he wants to anyway, why the fuck bother praying in the first place? Seems like a big waste of time to me. Couldn't you just skip the praying part and go right to his will? It's all very confusing. So to get around a lot of this, I decided to worship the sun. But as I said, I don't pray to the sun. You know who I pray to? Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Two reasons. First of all, I think he's a good actor, okay? To me, that counts. Second, he looks like a guy who can get things done. Joe Pesci doesn't fuck around. Doesn't fuck around. In fact, in fact, Joe Pesci came through on a couple of things that God was having trouble with. For years, I asked God to do something about my noisy neighbor with the barking dog. Joe Pesci straightened that cocksucker out with one visit. It's amazing what you can accomplish with a simple baseball bat. So I've been praying to Joe for about a year now, and I noticed something. I noticed that all the prayers I used to offer to God and all the prayers I now offer to Joe Pesci are being answered at about the same 50% rate. Half the time I get what I want, half the time I don't. Same as God, 50-50. Same as the four-leaf clover in the horseshoe, the wishing well in the rabbit's foot. Same as the mojo man. Same as the voodoo lady who tells you your fortune by squeezing the goat's testicles. It's all the same, 50-50. So just pick your superstition, sit back, make a wish, and enjoy yourself. And for those of you who look to the Bible for moral uh, lessons and literary qualities, I might suggest a couple of other stories for you. Uh, you might want to look at the three little pigs. That's a good one has a nice happy ending. I'm sure you'll like that. Then there's Little Red Riding Hood, although it does have that X-rated part where the big bad wolf actually eats the grandmother, which I didn't care for, by the way. And finally, I've often always drawn a great deal of moral comfort from Humpty Dumpty. The part I like the best, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. 
That's because there is no Humpty Dumpty and there is no God. None, not one, no God, never was. In fact... Bye.
welcome back to the <laughs> to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to thank my guest, Hal W. Warts, uh, and his insight and his all of his uh, efforts and work in trying to help make the world a better place. Okay, we're going to go on to the to another question here. It says, um, if we can find it. Yeah, it's right here in front of me. Um, do you discuss religion with friends? And there's another one that says, um, would you consider deleting your Facebook account? Would I consider deleting my first, my Facebook account? Excuse me. Uh, would you consider deleting your Facebook account? A lot of people, you know, I mean, when you think of Facebook, a lot of people live on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, it's their morning, noon, and night 24-7. It's their whole life. Facebook, scan Twitter, or any of that. But Facebook, and I've said the other day, Facebook is totally, totally liberal, which I think is a good thing in this environment we have, in this political environment that we have now. But would I delete it? Probably not. Uh, I have threatened to delete my account, and some friends said, no, 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 George, don't delete your account. Just take a week off. Take a few days off, (laughs) cool off, and then come back. So no, I would probably never delete it, but you know, I would do as they probably uh, would do: is take a few days off. You get too heated, you, it, it gets boring because you do anything too much, it's it ceases to be fun. So uh, that's what Facebook should be to a lot of members: uh, fun, interacting with other people all over the world. It should be fun. You know, but you know, uh, you can get burnt out. I mean, you you can get oh fuck this, I'm sick of this. Fuck Facebook, nothing but dumb people on there. Uh, and that's what I used to think, but it's some totally, totally cool, smart, intelligent people on Facebook. It's some some idiots, you know, but I think. The smart people outweigh the stupid people on Facebook. I mean, when I first started using Facebook, I thought that the people, I thought everybody on Facebook was just totally unhinged and uneducated. Because if you posted something thoughtful, you would hardly get any likes or if you get any at all. But if you posted something stupid, something deranged, oh, man, you got 40 or 50, 100 people clicking like and responding. I don't think it's like that anymore. I think Facebook has actually re- revolved. Uh, and uh, you know, I think it's gotten better. I, I don't think I do know it's a lot of false people on there. It's a lot of false. It's a lot of false um, people saying who. They are, and they're not that person. It's a lot of people who are deceitful, deceptive. <laughs> you have to figure it out uh, because this is just the way of the world. This is, this is how it just happens. You, sh- you just have to be helpful, and you can get hacked on Facebook. Someone will try to pretend that they're you to try to get in 
getting good with your friends, you know. So you have to watch all of that stuff on Facebook. But would I delete the account? No, I probably would not. I'd probably just take a week off or something and see if I can't um, regroup, you know. So, no, I would probably not uh, uh, delete my Facebook account, but you might. (laughs) It's up to you. You can. I mean, if you delete it, you can always start up another account somewhere on Facebook. But uh, it is such a popular site. Facebook is is so popular. Yeah, I'm I'm a member. Yeah, I do interact. Yeah, I do get I do post and I do get responses. Um I post uh, when I post I put up I post something. I don't just post it in one group. I I post it in every group that I have because I want the world to see what I'm doing. I want the world to see what I'm saying. Um but then you have people on Facebook who never post who never say anything, who never click like on anything, but they're there. They're watching what you're doing, <laughs> but they're not doing anything. I've known people like that for years and years and years uh, as a Facebook member that you befriend somebody and all they do is just look at, look at, look at what you're doing, what you're posting, what you're saying, how other people are responding to you. Some people just, they just sit there and uh, faceless but they're on facebook you know and uh i had to unfriend a a few people because of that i mean hey i made (laughs) we're friends i made friends with you i want to interact with you i didn't enter make friends with you just so you can see what i'm doing i I want you to interact uh, you know be a part of the group be a part of uh the conversation don't just sit back and, and you know do nothing criticize maybe but you know be a part of it you know that's that's how i think that's how the george wilder jr show think we're always trying to make the better we're always trying to what was that phrase again we're always trying to make the world a better place but however with donald trump it's going to be even tougher because he's taking us down a notch okay uh, next question um What will you remember most from 2018? What will I remember? I think this will be the last question. Um, What will I remember most from 2018? Let's see. Um, I don't know. I, I would have to say something involving myself personally. I would probably say... Writing, writing a certain book or for a certain story that I was been working on for a long, long time, and finally getting it published. You know, I would probably say that. Then I can say uh, Donald Trump's fiascos. There's been so many of them. <laughs> you really can't pinpoint one or the other because you can just lump them all in there together. But I would probably have to say something in. Uh, in the realm of writing and posting, writing and publishing. And um, that's what I have to say about 2018. Because 2018, uh, we have about uh, two and a half months left in 2018. So it's going fast. What? Let me see if there is something else I can remember, will remember about 2018 that's positive. Uh, I don't want to really remember anything that's negative. I want to go with something that is positive. Okay. 
what do I remember about 2018 that is positive? I really have to dig on this. I, I am not faking this. I'm really digging on this. I'm thinking, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to think. And it comes back to writing. It comes back to Pacific or, or uh, I remember, will remember writing these stories, these great stories. That's what I will remember. As for an individual, it's the writing, you know, as I've told Howell, I mean, I, I, I love writing. I love to do it. He's, I mean, he's the second or third person that called in on the show to tell me that I'm a prolific writer. And prolific means that you just write a lot. You, you've got a lot of stuff out there. Uh, I thought it meant that I was Edgar Allan Poe or Edgar Allan Poe or someone. Excuse me. But no, it just means that you uh, you do a lot of writing. And uh, I do. I do it because I love it. I do it because because I want to be diverse. I I don't want to be stuck down in one single genre. I want to be diverse. I know that. Romance department. The romance department is in the female. Most of the female writers are into romance. Not many men. I mean, and I've checked this out online. Not many men are into writing romance. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the guys are going to be saying (laughs) the the majority of the the responses that I've gotten on online for uh, my uh, book, novel, novelette. Kisses in the moonlight have been from women. They they say they like it, and they are going to share it and tell other people about it. No men have <laughs> because kisses in the moonlight. It's a great story. It's it's a beautiful story. It it may throw people off a little bit at the beginning, the first two paragraphs, but then it gets right into the heart of the story, and. Um, I've been working on it since I, the beginning of uh, the beginning of this year. I've been working on it. I've been working on a lot of stuff, a lot of writings, a lot of different uh, writings. But uh, "Kisses in the Moonlight" was one of those, and I was also was working on the uh, old man and the ugly boy. Uh, I was working on them together, actually, and also I'm working on a, a couple of others. I'm working on a, a book right now, a nonfiction. Of Donald Trump, uh, I've got uh, I think about seventy pages written, thirty thousand, forty thousand words written so far. Uh, so you're probably going to see this book being advertised after the midterms, maybe into 2019. Uh, so that's how I'm I'm doing that. But I love to hear when people say, "George, you're a prolific writer." I've had w- I've had a few people tell me that I'm a great writer. Now, I don't know, and I've said this and I responded to that. I don't know if I'm a great writer because I've been reading great writers all of my life. Other people, you know, uh, I think Robert Ludlum is a great writer. I think Richard Wright is a great writer. No doubt Edgar Allan Poe is a great writer. I don't think I should be put in their category because I, I, you know, I can only be me as a writer. 
I can only be me. And I'm sorry if I'm sounding a little bit selfish, but I can only be me as a writer. Uh, when people said, George, you're a great writer. And I have to sometimes I take some, I may like it. And then again, I may not like it. I'm like Eric Clapton. When people said that he was God on the guitar, he didn't think he was God, but at t- uh, but at times he thought he actually was God. So I'm like him. He didn't like being called God on the guitar, but sometimes he said it wasn't a bad thing. It's the same thing with me. I don't like being called a I don't uh, being called a great writer. But then, on the other hand, I love it. <laughs> you know, and I love it. And then I'm wondering, hey, I got to catch myself. No, 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 no. Because when I go over some of my work online, I say, hey, well, I got to rewrite this. Wow, this is uh, this needs an, another edit or whatever. I should have used a different word instead of that word. And I'm looking. I said, well, how in the hell can you say that's great? <laughs> you know? So, you know, but I am a. Uh, I love to tell stories. I, I and a lot of the stories are just made up. Some of the people think that the stories are actually something that I've done or or no, a lot of it is not. It's just made, especially the dialogue. The dialogue is totally totally made up. Um but uh especially fiction, uh in my fiction. I'm doing a nonfiction on Donald Trump as I've mentioned. And um I don't know. How did I get this? How did I get on uh, talking about my books and myself? Anyway. Oh, oh, okay. So the guest, he mentioned it. So that's why I'm doing it. Anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We've got about five more minutes left in, left into the show, folks. And I want you to have a great day, a great evening. And uh, maybe we have time for one more question. Let's see. We're digging out questions here, folks. Um, okay. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, it's, I'm going to do one easy one. It's, it's asked me, it's asking me, sorry, do I cook? It's saying, do you cook? Do I cook? <laughs> A fan out there wants to know, do I cook? You're talking about cooking food. Oh man, I love to cook. I think it's a great thing. I, I I love to cook so much. I'd rather cook than to go out and eat. I rather, you know, I I've had uh, employment jobs where I cooked. I cooked for the public. You know, that's great when you're cooking for other people and you're standing there and you're watching other people enjoy uh, what you've cooked. That is such a a uh, uh, blessing right there, I think, when you're watching other people devour <laughs> what you just cooked, what you've just prepared for them, okay? And, uh, yeah, I love to cook. I, I don't just like to cook. I love to cook. But, you know, sometimes there, there are people around you who want to cook. Now, my son, he likes to cook, too. He's, he, he loves to cook also. I mean, he's getting it from me, right? Uh, but he burns the food. Yes, he overcooks it or he burns it. Um, 
Why does he burn the food? Because he doesn't pay attention. He puts the food on. He turns on the burners. Then he goes and turns on the computer. Suddenly the house is smoking. But getting off of my son here for a second. Now, when I was married, okay, I'm divorced. When I was married, okay, all you girls out there, stay back. When I was married, um, this is true, you know. My wife, I mean, she she wasn't much of a cook. Uh, because I think when we first started dating and, and when we first started when we were married earlier on in the marriage, we were buying um, we were buying fast food stuff from the restaurant. I mean, things from the restaurant. We were buying fast food. Um, then later on, she got into cooking. Uh, maybe we thought that uh, it was better to cook than to always, you know, go out and buy stuff. But she was not a good cook. I'll leave it at that because. She'll call this show. (laughs) Anyway, do I love to cook? Yes, I think it's great, folks. I think cooking is great. Uh, It's a good thing. You know, you can also one of the things I do when I when I when I eat too much, I I immediately go out and exercise. I have to burn those calories off because if I don't, I'm going to get wow like this. So, um, yeah, I do love to cook, and uh, I think most people like to cook, but I do believe people who don't cook, who who can't cook, love to eat. You know, so I, I, um, I love to cook. I love to eat. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Once again, a shout-out to my guest, Howell W. Wartz and his work that he's doing in trying to make the world a better place. And I hope you doing some work also trying to make the red, trying to make the world a better place. Vote blue, vote blue, vote blue. Have a great weekend. Have a great evening. Have a great morning, whichever you find yourself listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show anywhere in the world, you have a good, good and blessed day. We're off the air. Make sure you join me next week. We're on four days a week, brand new guest, uh, Four days a week from 6 o'clock to 7.30 p.m., sometimes 8, depends on what's going on. But the George Wilder Jr. Show is here to stay. Tune in, listen, and make sure you go pick up my brand new book, Kisses in the Moonlight. (laughs) Kisses in the Moonlight. You know where I got that from, that title from? I got that title from a song, a George Benson song. If you go research George Benson and his musical library, you will find that song among his his greatest hits, Kisses in the Moonlight. That honestly, that is honestly where I picked up that title. And it's a and it's a great thought to think that you cannot copyright titles. All right, everybody. <laughs> the George Wilder Jr. show is off the air. Bye bye everybody. Have a good one. Stay safe. Vote blue.
Hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. 